Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is one of the greatest players in Dodger history. He was part of the legendary Dodger infield. He was the 1974 All-Star Game and National League MVP, the 1978 All-Star Game and National League Championship Series MVP, four-time Gold Glove winner, a 1981 World Series champ. Over a 19-year career, he batted 294 with 272 home runs, 1,308 RBIs. He holds a National League record for most consecutive games played at 1,207. Member of the Irish American Hall of Fame, the Michigan State University Athletics Hall of Fame, Dodgers Hall of Fame, the Legends of Dodgers Baseball, as part of the inaugural class in 2018. In 1981, Lawrence Ritter and Donald Honig included him in their book, The 100 Greatest Baseball Players of All Time. It is an absolute thrill and pleasure to welcome the one and only Steve Garvey to Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Steve. <laughs> Great, thanks. Thanks to be with you. That was wonderful. I'm going to have to have you in- introduce me when I uh, do my speaking engagements, you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I had a long and very wonderful career, and, um, you know, I've had a pretty blessed life. So um, it's nice to be uh, to be uh, kind of socially distancing now and, and uh, working through this pandemic and, and uh, thrilled to have baseball back. Absolutely. And it's interesting because if there was anyone predestined to be a Dodger, it was you. You grew up in Florida after your parents moved from here on Long Island. Your dad drove a Greyhound bus and often drove for major league teams during spring training. That connection led you as working as a Grapefruit League bat boy with the Brooklyn Dodgers of the mid-50s, meaning you got to see Pee Wee Reese, Gil Hodges, Carl Erskine, Jackie Robinson, Duke Snyder, Roy Campanella, Sandy Koufax up close. How much did those years as a bat boy motivate you to want to play the game? And of those great Dodgers we mentioned, is there one that holds a special you know, place in your heart? Well, you know, um, again, our family originated in, uh, in New York, Long Island, uh, uh, my father's family was from Glen Cove and Hempstead. Uh, Mom was from uh, Baldwin. And um, my grandfather was a Brooklyn policeman. So all these things laid the foundation for a longer story. But in 1948, uh, uh, my grandparents and my parents moved to Florida. And uh, they stayed there. And all of a sudden, in 1956, Dad's working for Greyhound. He comes home uh, late in March in spring training. He says, you want to skip school tomorrow? And I said, and yeah, what are we going to do? And he said, well, he had a charter to pick up the Brooklyn Dodgers from the camp airport and take them to St. Pete to play the Yankees in exhibition game. And of course, that was the spring after the Dodgers had finally beaten the Yankees in the fall of 55. So the next day, uh, I got a chance to, to bat boy for the world champions and uh, sit on the bench and listen to Hodges and Reese talk about the Yankee pitcher and how he's, how he's holding the ball for a curveball and a fastball and had Jackie Robinson literally sit on my lap. You know, he wasn't looking and sat down. He goes, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. I said, it's okay, Mr. Robinson. And I'm thinking, gosh, Monday, show and tell. Jackie Robinson sat on my lap, and nobody's going to believe me. But, uh, uh, yeah, Dad was always a Dodger fan. Mom was a Yankee fan. And uh, that day was my baptism into baseball. Uh, a week later, I was going to start my first uh, Little League game. Dad and two other gentlemen had started the second Little League in Tampa. 
which uh, many people know has been a hotbed for baseball talent for for all these years. And, um, you know, they like my dad, and for gosh, the next seven or eight springs, I would bat boy and then got to high school and, you know, got involved with sports then and, um, you know, fell in love with the Dodgers. And uh, I would play wiffle ball in my backyard. And we had grapefruit trees and orange trees. I would take the small fruit and put them into buckets and, and be the Yankees and the Dodgers in the World Series. And, of course, uh, many years later in 77, 78, and 81, we had those great Dodger-Yankee World Series that I was on. So, like I said before, I've been very blessed to have that happen as uh, as a young boy at the age of seven, to actually be up close and personal with a uh, a world championship baseball team is kind of a great way to fall in love with something. Absolutely. That's great stories, great stories. You're, you're, you mentioned high school and, and playing sports in high school. You're a star quarterback and a third baseman at, at Chamberlain High School. What were some of the core things? You, you mentioned your dad started Little League in, in Tampa, but what were some of the core things you learned from coaches Ken Nuznoff and Ted Cornelius at Chamberlain? Well, back then, you know, that was the Bear Bryant era. You know, everybody <laughs> had a crew cut and a flat top, and, you know, it was uh, – uh, well, baseball, apple pie, uh, football, God, the flag, you know, <laughs> and I'm not sure what, which order it should be. It should be God first, but, uh, and all those football coaches preach the doctrine of, uh, discipline and, uh, character and faith. And, uh, you went out and I was just kidding the other day. You, know, you talk about hydration in sports and how important it is. We used to get two cups of two ounces of water in a full football practice in Florida in August. Oh, so, oh. <laughs> think about that with all the humidity and heat and everything. Uh, they said, oh, you don't want to drink too much water. You know, you'll get cramps. But four ounces in <laughs> three hours? But uh, I always I always say that uh, football helped play the foundation for uh, a long baseball career. It teaches, you, uh, it teaches you hard work, and you get knocked down, and you get up, and teamwork. And I was blessed to have some very, very good coaches and in high school, and then, of course, got a chance to go to Michigan State and have Duffy Daugherty as my football coach and Danny Litwiler as my baseball coach, and that laid the foundation for the pros. How much of those two factored into the fact, because you drafted by the Twins out of high school, other colleges yeah. such as Florida State, Clemson, Southern Illinois, Parsons, had you know looked at you? What you know Besides those two coaches, what made Michigan State, what was the offer that made them the most appealing? Well, it was um, Danny Litweiler, who maybe a lot of people haven't heard his name, but he was a very good uh, center fielder for 11 years in the majors. I think he went an airless season once and uh, was an exceptional baseball coach in college. So he went from Florida State to Michigan State uh, during my sophomore year in high school. So being a two-sport uh, player, I wanted to play both in, in college. Most of the schools were starting the dimension. Uh, Florida State was uh, baseball, uh, Florida was football, Miami baseball, Auburn football, and I really wanted to play both, and then all of a sudden I get a call from uh, the fellow who was pitching coach at our high school had gone, who had gone to Florida State, played for Lipmont, and he said, um, you know, Danny's up at Michigan State, I called him and told him about you, they'd like you to come up and visit. So my mom and I got on a bus, there was a plane strike, and uh, 24 hours later we were in East Lansing, and Danny uh, met us uh, after a nap in the afternoon, gave us a tour of the campus, and then 
the big field house there in the lobby with all the glass cases of trophies. And, and he's telling us about this wonderful school in the Big Ten. And all of a sudden, around the corner comes Duffy Darty, the old <laughs> Irish leprechaun of a coach, you know, a tremendous career. And he comes up and he said, uh, Danny, is this the boy you're talking about? And he said, yeah. Yeah, Duffy, this is uh, Steve Garvey. He said, Miss Garvey, how are you? And he said, son, are you want to play two sports? And I said, yes, sir. I really would. He said, well, he said, I'll tell you what. We got uh, we got a big school here, 40,000 students and 23,000 co-eds. Sir. I guarantee you'll get a date here on Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> and we started laughing. And I looked at my mom. She said, Mr. Darty. We're here for an education first. Maybe he said, oh, yes, Millie. Oh, yes. So uh, I actually got tired of the heat, you know, in Florida. Uh, so hot and so humid. And uh, Michigan State was four seasons and up north and the chance to put on a coat. And, uh, you know, I think it was uh, the best choice, one of the best choices of my life. Went there. I had a chance to play two sports and then signed with the Dodgers in uh, the spring of 1968. But the... Uh, if you look at the story, and you know, many people have come up with it, he's talking about doing a movie or or whatever, or play about going from a bat boy and working your way through, you know, uh, the, the 60s and 50s and 60s growing up, and then uh, the 70s, which was the beginning of a new era in uh, baseball. So, uh, again, pretty blessed. It's pretty. The, the story is amazing, and even you know your first at bat in a Spartan uniform was pretty memorable as well. Can you share that story? I mean, that that's Hollywood right there as well. Could you share that story with our audience? Oh yeah, you know. So you had um, back then you had freshman teams. So we play our first freshman game, and we play Eastern Michigan, and uh, the pitch was a little wild. So we walked the first three guys, and their coach goes out there, and I was on the on deck circle, and our coach. Uh, uh, said, Steve, come on. He said, listen, he's telling them to take a little off and try to get it over. So just look for a, a decent pitch, you know, and, and let it rip. I said, okay. So um, coach goes back to the dugout, pitcher standing on the mound, and, and uh, I dig in, um, and I'm figuring if it's anywhere close, I'm letting it rip. And he throws one on the outside half of the plate, and uh, I make good contact, hit it down the right field line into the Red Sea River, and it's a grand slam. So we come back, and I come into the dugout, and the coach goes, nice job. Go ahead and take it in. I looked at him and I said, what? He says, where are you going to go from a grand slam in your first back? So he laughed. He says, well, yeah, go ahead and play the rest of the game. Get some more hits. I said, yes, sir. So that was like kind of a neat way to start my uh, um my baseball career at Michigan State. Yeah, Grand Slam into a river, no less. Uh, as you <laughs> mentioned, drafted by the Dodgers first round of the 68 draft, you make your way through the Dodgers minor league system, first in Ogden under Tom Lasorda, then Albuquerque under Del Crandall. You make your major league debut September 1st, 1969, at the age of 20 against our New York Mets. A pretty good pitchers matchup that day, Jerry Kuzman versus Jim Bunning. You entered the game as a pinch hitter. What do you remember about the first of your 8,835 at-bats? <laughs> well, you know, I, I thought it was pretty neat uh, that it was against the Mets, you know, New York team and so forth. And I thought, well, it's got to be on TV. Hopefully some of uh, our family be watching, which which they were. And uh, I'm sitting on the bench, and I think it was the bottom of the eighth inning, down 3-0, and the pitcher uh, was going to be up. And Walter Olson looks at me. He said, you ready, son? I said, uh, yes, sir. So, um I grabbed a bat and put a helmet on and took some cuts in the on-deck circle, and I 
you know, the three of us had taken early batting practice, and I had a great batting practice, hitting the ball all over the ballpark and in the bleachers and so forth. So um, I said, anybody know this guy? You know, I looked in, they go, a little lefty. You know, his name was Jack Delora. Typical lefty, they said. I said, okay. So I, I got in the batter's box, and the first ball was a little bit cutter inside. They turned on it, hit it down left field line, just missed the foul ball by about 10 feet. And, um, shoot. And uh, the next pitch was a typical lefty fastball tailing away. Got a piece of that, hit it down the right field line, just missed the foul ball by about five feet. And I stepped back and I go, geez, you know, this isn't so bad. I could have had two two runs already. And I stepped in and the next pitch came out of his hands and it looked like a fastball. And I started to swing and the bottom fell out and I swung and missed. And the bat went over uh, Wayne Garrett, who was the third baseman for the Mets, had literally javelin in uh, left field. And he had thrown me the first screwball I'd ever seen. So um, I figured, well, I get good cuts out of this. <laughs> <laughs> I came back, and Walter Olson was on the uh, on the top step, of course, the Hall of Fame manager. And he said, well, son, he said, uh, you got your cuts. He said, uh, he really unraveled that last one. I said, yes, sir. I said, sure did. He said, well... The good news is he set a Dodger Stadium record for a back bat toss fair. <laughs> and nobody's ever reached the outfield uh, keeping it there. And he said, you'll probably get a couple thousand hits when it's all said and done. Kind of patted me on the behind. Uh, I got almost 2,600 when it was all said and done. So, uh, And the last of that I had in my career was a, a strikeout tip. So um, I had bookends with strikeouts, <laughs> and the rest of them uh, I, uh, I got my swing, so to speak. So you played third base for the Dodgers in 1970. You moved over to first base in 73 after the retirement of Wes Parker. As you mentioned in the open, you make the 1974 All-Star Game. You were the second-ever writing candidate to make the team. And there's an interesting story that goes with that as well. Um, the manager of that team was Yogi Berra uh, of that National League All-Star team. Um, tell us how you ended up playing the entire game. Well, you know, for the weekend prior to... Um to the All-Star Game in Pittsburgh, I had come down with the mumps. And we didn't know what it was, but I was very weak. felt like I had a virus. My my uh, my jaws, jowls underneath were very swollen. Uh, doctor had gone in Dodger Stadium on Friday night. They sent me home. They looked at it and gave me some uh, antibiotics. And then I uh, couldn't get out of bed for that Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. Finally, the doctor... Uh, the Dodger team doctor, I saw him on Monday morning, and, you know, I had gotten a million write-in votes, and I said to him, i got to go, doctor, I've got to go, unless it's contagious, you know. He said, well, he said, I don't think it's contagious. He said, I think it's the mumps. He says, take this, get on a plane, do the best you can. He said, it's a wonderful accomplishment. So um, got on a plane, flew to Pittsburgh. Um, back then, there were no home run hitting contests. You know, there was a a workout on, on a Monday uh, in the afternoon. That was about it. Uh, Tuesday, which was the day of the game, they usually had a big lunch back then, so I was able to make that. So I go from there, and I get out to the field early, and uh, I try to get loose, and I take some infield, and it feels like I'm on a, you know, I'm on a basketball trying to field things. You know, <laughs> Just don't have my balance, but you know, I'm kind of working my way through it. Couldn't take batting practice. Had a little drizzle before the, before the game. So we have our team meeting, and Yogi gives us rah-rah, and Chubb Feeney of the National League 
uh, president comes in, rah, rah, and uh, Yogi says to me, you know, after, he said, listen, he said, great accomplishment. Um, you know, you're a starter, so you're going to play three innings. Give me, give me your best for three innings. And he said, then I'll get you out of there. I said, okay. So uh, first time up in the, the second inning, uh, I'm, I'm facing, I think, Louis Tiant, and he throws me, he does all those gyrations, he throws me a slider away, I swing, almost fall on my face, and kind of catch myself, and I step back, and I look up to the heavens, Lord, please let me just hit the ball somewhere. So um, the next pitch, he tries a slider again, hit it up the, the middle for a single. So I get to first base, and I go, thank you, thank you, thank you. So uh, get a little rally next inning, get a little rally 30, get out, by double down left field line, drive in a run. We have a big rally, and uh, inning's over, and, and Yogi says, uh, son, great job. He said, okay, I'm going to get you out. I said, what are you going to put in? He said, well, I think I'll put in Perez. I said, well, you, you pinch hit him, and um, uh, who else? He said, Stargell. I said, yeah, you, you did that, too. You went for the win. <laughs> Typical Yogi, right? And... Uh, he says, looks at me, he goes, huh, well, you got to play the whole game. Get out there. <laughs> and I ended up being the only player for both teams to play the whole game. Won the MVP, the first uh, uh, big award of my career. And as I look back now, all the things that transpired to get me there, that having the mumps and then being the only guy to play, you know, all nine innings for each team was really a great story. And kind of, the again, the first uh, uh, big game of my career. It's amazing. Yeah, you played. You mentioned Walter Austin. You played your first half half of your Dodger career under Walter Austin, and then the second half under another legendary manager in Tom Lasorda. What were the similarities and the differences between the, playing for those two? Well, I actually uh, also played for Dick Williams, so three Hall of Fame managers. I might have the record. I'm not sure, but um, I always said they were just different men. You know, Walt. Well, Olson was 23 one-year contracts and 6'3 and strong and very stoic and never said much, but when he said something, you knew that you better listen because he had thought it out. It was something he wanted you to do or make a correction. Um, Tommy Lasorda, I was calling him a Pete Barnum of baseball. <laughs> Gregarious, a character, great storyteller, uh, entertaining. Uh, talked a lot, had a lot of meetings, but... Uh, very similar. You had to you had to actually listen, and and he would give you these nuggets of things that were going to make you a better player or a teammate or help the team win. And then Dick Williams was a great X's and O's guy. Really didn't care to motivate that much. Uh, old school guy. Actually played with Lasorda way back when with the Dodgers, and uh, he was tough. Tough on young players. You know, a young rookie pitcher with. Walked two guys in a row, and they knew they were out of there. So, three different styles, three very successful, three Hall of Famers. So I was I was blessed to learn three different management styles, which I I've uh, taken that with me in my business career, and because um, I do a lot of motivational speaking, we have a Garvey Media Group as a brand management company, and all three, in somehow some way, when I played for them, taught me things that helped me in, in business. So. As we mentioned in the Open, 1981, Lawrence Ritter and Donald Honig include you in their book, The 100 Greatest Baseball Players of All Time. 
In your 15 years on the National Baseball Hall of Fame ballot of the Baseball Writers Association of America, somehow, uh, I don't even get this, you failed to reach the 75% required for induction. Your highest percentage was 42.6 in 1995. Subsequently, you've been considered by the Expansion Era Committee in 2011-2014, Modern Baseball Era Committee in 2018 and 20, falling short of the 75% threshold each time. December 2019, voting for the 2020 induction class, you received six votes from the 16-member committee. You know, tell me what I'm missing here. Why do you think you're not in the <laughs> Hall of Fame? I mean, this is, just so you know, this is three weeks in a row. We had Chuck Foreman three weeks ago. We had Louis right. Tiant last week, and now you. And there's no doubt yeah. in my mind all three of you belong in the, in the, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and I agree with you. Those two gentlemen absolutely do. It's, uh, I don't know, it's very tough to explain. Um, my career is a body of work, so you've got to, you got to dig a little bit. Steve, honestly, you don't have to dig that deep. I mean, <laughs> your, your, your playoff teams never lost. You know, they all yeah. got to the championship. Right. Your yeah. all-star teams, you won every all-star game you were in, and that's ten of them. Gold gloves, you were the preeminent first baseman of your era. How are you not in the Hall of Fame? Who did you piss off is what I really want I to don't know. No, I'm a conservative <laughs> guy like me. Maybe I you know, should have spoke out more. But, uh, <laughs> no, I am. Uh, yeah, it's been. Everybody says that. Uh, I'll do interviews, and uh, people are very kind, of like you are, and, and do their homework and talk things. And but I take a lot of pride in uh, in a long career, a very successful career. Um, the number of games that I were in that, that my team won is significant. Uh, when the lights were the brightest, um, I was able to capture the moment and uh, help my teams win. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a going way back to you know learning being a bad boy and then playing under these great managers of how to play the game. And, and uh, I think maybe the consecutive game streak speaks uh, yeah. volumes for my love and commitment for the game. Uh, there were many times over those. Seven and a half years and twelve hundred seven consecutive games. I could have set out, but I I felt a, an obligation to the fans, to my team, my cities, um, to go out there. And I had hairline fractures of fingers and hyperextended elbow and flu, and those kind of things. But I always knew I could get out there and, and perform. Sometimes for only a few innings, you know, but go out there because our obligations to the fans and uh, and they knew that. And wherever I go, and I get a chance to. Um, to go to several games a year and go to the minor leagues frequently, which I really love. Uh, and hopefully we'll be back in stadiums uh, at some time this season. But uh, to be able to interact with the fans, because I've always said we're in the memory business, and uh, memories are what really drive um, baseball and, and other sports and in life, too. So I was able to be on great teams that created memories, do individual things, uh, have moments where I... I had decisions to make uh, and to support people. Uh, one of them is my dear friend who I love, Claire Smith, but she was just starting out and women were struggling to get into the clubhouse. And this wonderful writer couldn't get into her job. And after the, uh, the 15 victory of 84, they wouldn't let her in. And the clubhouse man came over and said, you know, Steve, Claire's outside. She can't get in. She wonders if you could help her. I said, absolutely. And I left probably... 12 uh, male writers and went outside and uh, said to her, okay, you know, she had tears in her eyes. I said, time to clear your tears up and, you know, what what do you need to know? And let's, you, you go get your job done. You know, and that 
people say, oh, you know, uh, that was a moment you didn't have to go out there. And I said, well, I didn't have to, but it was the right thing to do. And learning from all these people growing up, and then as my career went on, life went on, about doing the right thing and, and, uh, and, you know, having, making sure that all people are are treated fairly and supporting those that aren't. Uh, We're going through a lot right now, you know, but it's, it's simply common respect for each other. And God put us on this earth, gave us this great life and free will and choice. And what we do with it, uh, I've always said, is our gift to Him. So, um, you know, they, I, I tell our kids, and I've had seven kids and now seven grandkids, you know, there's no gray area. There's a right and wrong. And uh, hopefully, you know, your mother and I have told you and, and taught you what's, what's right from wrong. So, um, and sports is a great teacher. You know, and I think that's why we got to get our kids back in school and get sports going again safely, you know, and responsibly. But uh, those are the things that teach us, you know, truly what life's all about. Steve, I'm hoping the next time you're on the show, it's to announce your induction to the Hall of Fame. We really appreciate your time tonight. Coming up in a year or so, let's try again. (laughs) Let's try for sure. Uh, (laughs) Thanks so much for your time tonight. More importantly, thanks for 19 great seasons of excellence on the field. We really appreciate it. Uh, My best to all the New Yorkers. You know, when I I would have been in New York four or five times uh, during this pandemic, but I look forward to coming back again soon. You got it. Thanks so much, the one and only Steve Garvey.